The following podcast may contain spoilers and or explicit language. Welcome to the 90s Pop Culture Grab Bag. Bonjour, good tidings, greetings, and welcome back to... The podcast that helps you escape the current uh, milieu of uh, stifling isolationism and uh, uh, nonstop uh, low-key stress that is permeating the world currently. We are diving back into a simpler time, a time that will bring you joy and hopefully uh, maybe a little bit of uh, intellectual curiosity. My name is Nick Robes, and joining me is... (laughs) That's going to be hard to follow up. My name is Gary. <laughs> and I hate these times, too. <laughs> I'm Lindsay. And this is the 90s pop culture grab bag. <laughs> Dive in! <laughs> if you so dare. Oh, I'm ready. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After watching right. uh, 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 the, the movie that we will be discussing, I am ready for anything. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. It is quite uh, a, a time capsule. Woo! Very energetic, and um, I watched it two weeks ago. That's why I'm I'm more low key at this point. Yeah, it's flagged by this point. I, I watched it this morning, so like I'm just like jacked up. <laughs> yeah. Understandably, it is wild. Like I, uh, there were moments where like I was watching this on an iPad, and I was just like, ah. <laughs> All right, yeah, I guess I guess um let's just let's bring Popso in. Let's get right into this thing. Oh hey, did I hear my name, guys? <laughs> wow. Say it and he appears. Hey buddy. Well, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Nice! You know, I y- 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 things kinda go the same for me all the time. But I know that stuff changes with you guys a lot more, and so I just wanted to check in, you know. Well, I appreciate that. That's that's very sweet, Popso. You're welcome. All right. Yeah, it must be nice being Pop, so he doesn't have to worry about the... There's no COVID-19 for robots. It's called COVID-23, and it's coming in 2029. <laughs> I'm not sure how those numbers match up, but I'm good with it. Yeah, having a time machine, it can be a little bit of a curse. Yeah, that's why we don't jump forward. We don't need to see the fiery dumpster dust heap that is the future. Yeah, that's true. I did see uh, Don't Tell Anybody, but I did see Your Death. Oh, you did? I just had to check it up. Don't ask me about it. Did it involve gummy bears? I said don't ask me about it, but okay, all right. I will say, wow. All right, that's all I need to know. <laughs> Never eating. Like that does seem like yours. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> uh, yes. So, Popso, uh, where are we heading first? Oh, well, so glad you asked. We're going to send you guys back to 1991 to check out the movie Point Break. Oh, man. All right. Well, this sounds like fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's let's do it. It's not tragic to die doing what you love. You want the ultimate. You got to be willing to pay the ultimate price. So yeah, we've we've briefly mentioned Point Break in the past, but it's it's been a while. 
And it was about time we got around to fully diving into to, mm. into this classic. So I guess I will go ahead and pull up a brief description uh, using our new Hotback summarization program. Yeah, it's in HPS. It is. Let's let's call it that from now on because it's a lot easier to say. <laughs> Execute Hotback Film Summary Printout Program. Printout complete. All right, so here's the description. An FBI agent goes undercover to catch a gang of surfers who may be bank robbers. That's very succinct. <laughs> you know what? Nails it. <laughs> I'm going to say, as far as it goes, you don't need to dive further into the description. That's what the no. movie is. Yeah, yeah. That's the clearest printout we've gotten yet. <laughs> Let's let's hope that doesn't last. Uh, <laughs> Grammatically, it's also the best by far. Yeah, I'm 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 very proud of the summarization program. You're doing so, great, yeah. Hotback. <laughs> Keep it up. So, Nick, have you seen this movie before? Shockingly enough, no. <laughs> Really? Today was my first time ever. Like, this is one of those movies that's so much in the, uh, like, the common lexicon that there wasn't anything shocking about it. Like, I knew everything, Mm -hmm. but I had never taken the time to, like, sit through it and experience it. And when I say experience, I mean, it is an experience. It's a roller coaster ride. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... um... I, how about you? I've never seen it. Never? All right. Well, I'm going to not buck the trend because I've never seen this either, believe it or not. <laughs> I've always wanted to, just never got around to it. Well, I mean, like the uh, the Bad Boys 2, you know, uh, uh, balls to the wall, adrenaline, action junkie movie. It wasn't my thing until recently. Like, I didn't uh. get into that until it became a trope in itself you know post like hot fuzz or like you know right. fast and furious kind of stuff right the, the 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 michael bay michael bay i think kind of created this uh extreme action just like oh my god what's going to happen next kind of movie yeah the rock and, um, mm-hmm. yeah yeah the con rock air. con air mm-hmm. <laughs> second episode your john row. cusack uh, obsession <laughs> <laughs> Showing? <laughs> put it away, put it away, put it away now. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. And also a reference to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda sorta. Yeah. Remember when Anthony Kiedis acted? God, do I ever. Are we talking about the chase again? Because <laughs> yep. it wasn't much acting in this. But, oh, that uh, would be a waste of time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was was that his only line? Uh well he shoots himself in the foot, right? There was a lot of right. there was a lot of like overlapping. This movie is the sound design in this movie. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I mean they 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 must have gotten paid triple. It's 
freaking nuts the amount of ADR dude voices in the background. I was like, <laughs> how many people are in this scene at any given point in time? It just seems like at any point in time, there's 75 dudes off screen going, huh, 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 what? Oh, fuck, <laughs> shit, fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> I was like, why? why? Why are there so... And I was even watching it with subtitles, and I swear to God, every time it was like, Man number eight, man number six, man number five. I was like, why? Wow. I should have watched it with subtitles, I guess. I, I feel like I missed the whole experience now. Yeah, there are 37 dudes around at any given point in time. <laughs> but there are only like two and a half dudes that matter. Cool. Are there ever? <laughs> wow. And they're all named Patrick Swayze. <laughs> He's more man than you can handle. It's true. I, I I think at one point, what is my, uh, I think I just have a note that says, well, I do have a note that says Tom Sizemore. <laughs> oh, that's that guy's name. I was trying to figure that, that guy's name. Oh, God, I love him so much. Uh, he's great <laughs> in everything. Um, uh, Swayze, uh, it just says, Swayze was 39, question mark, exclamation point, gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I had no idea. He must have started kind of late, cause I mean I don't think he did anything in the seventies, so he uh, must have kicked in probably in his twenties. Well, as far as like film career is concerned, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know he was a dancer before, right? And you can tell in those moves. Yeah, well, I mean, he's amazing. He's uh, just physically, he has so much control. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of insane, which when you almost say he's like the wind, <laughs> when you throw that opposite, the, uh, uh, Keanu Reeves, complete lack of control oh over God, everything yeah. he does. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Recently we watched, um, well, we've seen several Swayze movies in the past couple years mm. and this one was always on the list. But, you know, like, the, I think this is the follow-up to Roadhouse for us. I think that was the last one we watched, which is... Which was also just... a reference in this movie. Was it? Yeah, he said uh, he went to Patrick's Roadhouse. Oh! Yeah, he, yeah, he did. When he's following him around, when he's talking That's to right. Busey. That's right. <laughs> who is also four men by himself. <laughs> True. He needed two sandwiches, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> That's my hey, you talk! Yeah. Two! <laughs> <laughs> I, I unexpectedly laughed so hard at that scene <laughs> i rewound it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well it's it's crazy right because uh whenever whenever you're first kind of meeting him in the swimming pool area yeah and he he gives that sh that speech and then he just like flips and screams into the water <laughs> you looked at me and you're like i don't think that was in the script <laughs> I also like at that scene. I, I my, my note right before that was, "Are they looking for bricks and water? How is this a thing?" Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "Searching twenty years on the forest, I'm searching for bricks and water." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, right. Seems kind of yeah. stupid." It does. I mean, I've never, I've never been a policeman. I've seen all the police academies, I think. But I, it, so you basically I never... know what it's about. I basically do, yeah. yeah. I watch live PD Honor on the reg. But um yeah, I've never heard of, of brick swimming like that, so that's that's an interesting thing to me. Mm. 
Mm. Also, I am opening up a point break bar, and uh, brick swimming is going to be one of the uh, drinks. Okay. In addition to the Flaming Reagan. <laughs> so, I don't know. Wh- what is there to say about this movie? I, I the, Like, as I was watching this for the first, I don't know why, but for the first, like, hour of it, I had a really hard time getting into it. Um, oh, funny. Yeah, I don't know why. Hmm. Uh, did you experience that at all? Did you have a hard time getting into it, or no? Okay, so it was just me. Um, well, I actually, I almost had the reverse. Where the first hour, I was just kind of like, "Oh, I'm into this. All right, cool." And then I was mm-hmm. like, "This movie has to be ending soon." And I like hit the bar, and I was like, "There's another hour of this movie." <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, that's the thing you don't ever want to do. <laughs> Which like I get it, because then the second half hour you got, or the second hour you got the you know skydiving scene and all that kind of shit. But I honestly right. thought the movie was done halfway through. I was like, we know too. who did it. All we got to yeah. do is right. catch him. Right. <laughs> yeah, but um, it, it it didn't. I guess maybe that was my overall problem with it was that the flow was a little wonky at times. Yeah, yeah I would agree with that. Um. Well. <sighs> So this movie does a thing that's like very symptomatic of like 80s and 90s movies where a writer uh, creates a subculture instead, like takes a existing subculture and then just mm-hmm. creates what they think it's like, which is surfers, which <laughs> like I'm sure surfers are, you know, ridiculous and, and shit. But like this is just like... <laughs> So next level of, like, at one point, there was honestly, like, a two-minute just meteorological discussion that happened. I was like, <laughs> yeah. wait, is that the interesting part about surfing? Is meteorology? Yeah. You see these these uh, low-pressure systems are going to move up from the south, and that's going to create... I was like, why are you talking about this? <laughs> yeah. I, I guess maybe that is, I mean, you know, your whole life kind of revolves around the weather and 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 things of that nature whenever you're a surfer i should know i have family members who are surfers but uh <laughs> you know but it, but but it, it, those were the points like this movie really yeah. oscillated between doing really well like a majority of this movie i would say you could call it like show don't tell like there was 10 seconds of expo- exposition and then just mm-hmm. a half hour montage <laughs> Yeah, it was really like show it, don't tell us, don't talk about what's going on, just show us what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. You know, which <laughs> enviable. I mean, like it was a good move. Like you know, Catherine mm-hmm. Bigelow is a good storyteller, and mm-hmm. this fucking you know whole uh, idea of just a movie about a guy learning to surf, basically. Like that's the point of the movie, right? Like Keanu Reeves is on this journey where he like wants to be a cop and decides he's going to be a surfer instead and has to kill his best friend in the process or lover. I'm not entirely sure on that. (laughs) Like real question, which movie is gayer, this or Top Gun? I've never seen Top Gun. I kind of am leaning towards this. Yeah. Like, it yeah. is a super gay movie in the best way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can think of a couple scenes in Top Gun which might outplay the gayness of this movie. But no, this one as it has an overall connective theme of, of uh, uh, bromance, basically. It's romantic action. Yeah, romantic action. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True bromance. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> but who's the bigger bromance between? Is it between... 
uh, Reeves and Busey or Reeves and Swayze? Because oh. there's lots of... Busey and the two sandwiches. Between Busey. <laughs> Busey and the meatballs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Utah, get me two. <laughs> That's the only thing I'm going to remember. Yeah. <laughs> It's also such a ridiculous name. Like, his name is fucking Utah. <laughs> I know. Johnny Utah. And they keep, is this, is this supposed to be a, uh, well, it's not supposed to be, but, like, could this be a prequel to John Wick? <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> I bet uh, Busey probably gave him that name. We need an original copy of that script. Yeah. Know, what, is it really Utah, or is that... Busey said, no, I'm going to call him that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Utah. Why is he calling yeah. him Utah? That's not in the script. I don't know, but we don't have enough money to buy more film. <laughs> we wasted it all on the skydiving scene. Because <laughs> it is two hours long and we had to cut it down to 20 minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, so is the assumption that his name is actually Jonathan Utah? Yes! Because, like, is he of the Utah family? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he's Presumably also uh, from... he's, he's a former famous football player at the college oh. level that everybody recognizes That's and apparently true. did not know that he went into the FBI. <laughs> like, he rolls right. into the FBI, everybody's like, who's this rookie with shit on his hands and cum in his face? Or whatever the right. fuck they say constantly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the most hyper-aggressive masculine script ever written uh and everybody's just like yeah i've never heard of you and then 10 seconds with patrick swayze he's like you're johnny utah you played that game where you flew 35 yards or whatever and he's like yep (laughs) (laughs) that's me guilty please don't look Uh, into what i've been doing recently (laughs) right (laughs) yeah google wasn't around yeah facebook (laughs) Yeah. Employed at FBI Langley, Virginia. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. Um, I feel like there's so much to say about this movie that I'm going to miss a lot. But w- the one thing that... The chasing? Yeah. The thing that really got me was the, the chase sequences in this movie. They were so intense mm. and so well-directed, I thought. Yeah. But yeah, that whole sequence where they 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 bust in the door of that house and that that shootout happens and then the lawnmower thing it's just like that was very intense and very well done. Yeah, well paced, kind mm-hmm. of insane, uh mm-hmm. some iconic moments. I mean, yeah, that lawnmower thing. I was like gee, I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah. Uh yeah, couch, was... whatever. I was watching this on an iPad. <laughs> However you choose to live your life is fine. My girlfriend has currently gotten into Animal Crossing, so the TV is taken. (laughs) (laughs) Well. (laughs) And I don't want to take that away from her. So I was like, yeah, I'll watch this epic movie on my tiny screen. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's good on you. Yeah, I'm a good person. (laughs) Can't state it enough. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and... uh, so yeah, Catherine Bigelow has kind of earned a name uh, as a, a very different director than this movie, but I think that what she does in this movie is really good. I mean, action movies, Zero Dark Thirty and such. Mm-hmm. It brings a lot of tension. But is action is Zero Dark Thirty action? I didn't. You, you saw it, but I didn't see it. Um, you know, it's drawn out, and you gotta wait till the end to see all the. Oh. See, I thought it was kind of a procedural. Wow, they're killing Bin Laden. Right. Well. That's true. Uh, spoiler. 
uh, for the history. <laughs> By the way, at the end of Passion of the Christ, Jesus dies. What? Hey, what? <laughs> and the Titanic goes down at the end of Titanic. Wait, 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 wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're talking to the only two people in the world who have never seen Titanic. That's false. I've seen it. <laughs> I used to girl. have the I'm double VHS. <laughs> I'm a girl. I saw it four times in the movie theater. Yep, yep. Do the math, girls. How many hours of my life? Oh God! <laughs> Did I spend staring at Billy Zane? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, she does. She she does a great job. And frankly, like. If if I walk away, if like somebody you know gunned to my head, it was like, what's one movie? What's one word that describes Point Break? I would mm-hmm. say beautiful. Every yeah. shot is beautiful. All the scenery is beautiful. Every goddamn man, Gary Busey included, is beautiful. <laughs> He's got his own like raw kind of beauty about him. Right, right. Very savage. Yeah. <laughs> Especially uh, if you're a meatball. <laughs> <laughs> Two of them, but, even. Spe- <laughs> um, speaking of that, the speaking of the meatball scene, we keep joking about it, but I love the the camera work that that uh, happens in that scene. Whenever he goes up to order the meatballs, <laughs> like the camera is looking through the side of the of the shop, right? Yeah. And then it just sort of pans out as he orders, and you see the car pull up, and you see all the guys run into the bank. So and then it just sort of pans back. It's almost like a little bit of comedy in itself. Yeah. It's like, by the way. <laughs> You're missing the one thing you're trying to do right now, buddy. Right. <laughs> and Ducey uh, is too. <laughs> there's a lot of that kind of like uh, um, um, flexing, directorial mm-hmm. flexing, because there's a lot of yeah. mirror shots, uh, yeah. a lot of stuff that's uh, infamously difficult to do. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, good for her. I. I. I think it's a shame that. I know she, this wasn't her first movie. This was like her fourth movie. Mm. Um, I can't say I've seen any of the stuff she did in the 80s, but um, I can't really think of anything she did in the 90s besides, you know, put up with James Cameron's shit. Um, <laughs> but uh, but then, yeah, all of a sudden, what was it? Hurt Locker. She comes back and she's, you know, speaking of movies of great intensity mm. um, and maybe kind of weird writing, but... Yeah, uh, that's that. Uh. <laughs> I mean, we yeah, this movie, uh, I don't know. I, it's just everything that they say. There were so many points where I was just like, this is so dumb. And yet, mm-hmm. why am I so into it? Like uh, <laughs> when uh, when Keanu Reeves first gets up on the board, right? And like mm-hmm. also the sound designer on this goddamn movie is working overtime. Like every oh, yeah. foley, like all the gun foley is ridiculous. The kissing yeah. foley on uh. this movie is more than like a goddamn porn. Every time <laughs> people's lips are near each other, it's like <laughs> it was like, whoa. <laughs> uh but I, all I the felt eight- that during Gross Point Blank. I didn't mention that, but like all the kissing and that was I was listening through headphones and I was honestly a little bit repulsed by it. Experiencing it. <laughs> uh but all the ADR whenever they're surfing was ridiculous. Yeah. And at one point Keanu Reeves just goes, I'm fucking surfing. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. 
goosebumps. Legit <laughs> goosebumps. Wow. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> That's an appropriate response to a Keanu Reeves thing. This could whoa. not be dumber, and yet I could not be more into it. <laughs> I have left behind all dignity. <laughs> right. Described his career. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, yeah, he's, uh, he's so... the the day the world ends. Oh, oh. no, the day the earth hits. Yeah, that one. <laughs> you were close, <laughs> but I'm holding on to that cigar. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, watching him in this movie, it was like a, I just, he's so bad, but so remarkably good at being bad that I'm just kind of like, all right, whatever. I'll let it slide. Described his whole career. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> He's the internet's boyfriend currently. He is. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, honestly, he apparently one of the most likable dudes. I think. Yeah. Apparently, he made rice pilaf for all the bus passengers of Speed. <laughs> oh. oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's. that's some, I hope that one comes up. Some great stories about that guy. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, <laughs> uh, so they raid uh, Anthony Kiedis and uh, War Child's house. <laughs> What time are they raiding this house at? Is it like 9.30 in the morning? Why? I don't know. Why are they not doing it at night? I mean, I don't honestly know how raids work, but it kind of seems like darkness would help. Maybe if they're asleep, maybe that would help. But instead, they're like, eh, let them get their morning coffee and then we'll bust in. Yeah, maybe they should have done it closer to like zero dark 30, but um, I... (laughs) Maybe maybe what they were waiting for was for that chick to get in the shower. Maybe that was their point. They're like, look, I, the women will be showering. I think that was it, yeah. Anthony that, Kiedis will I've... have his headphones on, and he'll just be gyrating in a bed. <laughs> yeah. I, I think they were just, like, leaning, because they were all by the, the window, right? So they were just waiting for that shower nozzle to turn on, and they're like, now, let's do it now. Yeah. What? <laughs> Also, what is her end game? Like, this naked chick is just stabbing cops. I don't know. What? What? Get out, girl. I can't. I can't. Yeah, they're not. You're not the one they're after. I I, I cannot figure. I can't even blame this on a male director. No, it was crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I don't know. Yeah. That that blew my mind the whole time. I was just like, what is happening? It was wild. It was wild. Wild and crazy stuff. Wild and crazy stuff. Uh, also, uh, Keanu is 27. Really? Yeah. Yeah, wow. so he's like 12 years younger than Patrick Swayze in this. Hmm. I, w- I-, I would not have guessed that. Yeah. I don't think. I think Swayze aged pretty well. Oh, did he ever. <laughs> Man, I well, hope I, I look that good when I'm 40. Right. Well, I mean, think to... God, I'm trying to think of something he did in the 2000s. All I can think of is like Donnie Darko, and and he didn't look that much different even then. And he was probably in his what 60s at that point. Oh yeah, he's the motivational speaker in Donnie Darko, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh... Anyways, I I think overall, <laughs> I, I mean, my last note of this movie uh, is literally just damn. <laughs> damn yeah. yeah i was uh, you know there were there were moments where i was just like oh is this still going on but like i was into mm-hmm. it uh there was a wild uh just impracticalities and uh insane bits of just gaping writing holes but still like everybody <laughs> commits in their own way 
you know, Swayze's amazing. Keanu's Keanu. I mean, you're not going to get much else out of that dude. Gary no. Busey's phenomenal. <laughs> uh, John, John, uh, what's his name? John McGinley. Right. Oh, my He's God. just doing his thing. That guy loves to yell. <laughs> he does. Did you notice the part where he called them scrubs? <laughs> I didn't, actually. But uh, <laughs> I was troubled for probably about, like, three to four minutes about why his sleeves were rolled up so high. <laughs> I was like, that is a weird choice. Yeah. You're in the FBI. Get your shit together, man. <laughs> Well, he probably just sauntered over from another set. Like, that dude was working all the time in bit parts around this time. So Oh, he's awesome. It's like <laughs> I, I watch a movie and it's like, oh, there he is again. Like uh, just any random 90s movie, he's probably in it. <laughs> <laughs> Calling someone a girl's name. Yep. Um, yeah, everybody's great. It's a, it's a, uh, yeah. If someone hasn't seen this movie, like I hadn't until today, I would say mm-hmm. it's definitely worth it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's really good. I, I enjoyed myself for the most part, aside from, like I say, the weird pacing and um, all the B roll directed by Warren Miller. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, like if if you love. Uh, watching surfing stuff. I mean, it's it's got some pretty good surfing scenes. The action sequences are super intense. Some of the best I can think of since uh, maybe her husband's true lies. <laughs> really um, good fights. Just really yeah. good, like, not Intense super brutal. brutal, but, like, well-choreographed and kind of fun fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I realize you said not super brutal and I said brutal, but, uh, I mean, it, intense is the word I meant. It's... Yeah, very well done. It's not like a John Wick movie where like blood's no. going everywhere and like like something about impact of punches in this movie, like they feel solid, but they everybody's do. just kind of like, "Oh, I just got punched," as opposed to like, "What?" Mhm. I noticed I I noticed the punch foley in this cuz sometimes you hear, I mean, you know, a punch is like skin hitting skin, right. but sometimes it sounds like Yeah. You know, it's like this ridiculous sort of sound, but it was pretty pretty good in this movie once again all the foley in this movie yeah. the waves yeah. alone are like their own movie oh my goodness yeah <laughs> this this should have been up for uh academy award for foley work i mean it's crazy Maybe nothing else, but the goddamn <laughs> dog that he throws at him <laughs> oh what is that that about? sound effect alone i was just like jesus yeah when <laughs> 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 he kicks the dog oh <laughs> That shit would not happen nowadays. But, uh, yeah, my note says, Keanu kicked the dog? <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was nicer than that. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, we he will go on to avenge some dogs, so. It's true. I heard he actually he actually uh, made up for it by buying that dog some rice peel. <laughs> 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 See, he made some homemade kibble. Oh, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I I think this is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, good yeah. movie. Yeah, good times. Um, all right, so I guess let's jump into the album. Marvelous. Uh, hey, Popso. Hey, what's up, dudes? Uh, I think uh, we're done with Point Break. Are you really ever done with Point Break? Nope. I mean, that's a, that's a good point. I might uh, revisit it at some point. <laughs> all right, well, I'm going to be sending you guys to 1998 to go check out In the Airplane Over the Sea by Neutral Milk Hotel. All right, here we go. 
Okay, so uh, let me go ahead and uh, get a little description for the album. Execute Heartback Summarization Program. In the Aeroplane Over the Sea is the second album by American rock band Neutral Milk Hotel. It was released on February the 10th, 1998, by Merge Records. In the Aeroplane Over the Sea spawned one single, Holland 1945, in October of 1998. It features a lo-fi sound influenced by indie rock and psychedelic folk. The band consisted of Jeff Mangum, Jeremy Barnes, Scott Spillane and Julian Costa, and the record was produced by Robert Schneider. End Heartback Summarization Program. So, in the aeroplane over the sea. Uh, do you remember your first time hearing this? Uh, probably college would be my, you know, when I was diving into that kind of like indie folk thing more uh, readily. So, I mean, it was probably like 2006, 2007. So probably about like almost a decade after it came out. <laughs> right, right. Uh, do you remember your first time listening to it? You probably played it for me. I might have. I might In have. its entirety? Yeah. About two hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I, I remember, yeah, the first time I heard In the Aeroplane Over the Sea. Yeah, music um, is my aeroplane. Music. <laughs> it's my aeroplane. Spelled the same way, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. The British spelling, I Oh, believe. my God. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is uh, In the Aeroplane Over the Sea by Neutral Milk Hotel. I remember uh, I probably heard it for the first time around 2000 and late. Uh, no, <laughs> 2000 and, <laughs> 2002, maybe. 2004, so maybe half decade after it came out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And at the time, I, I I had no idea, you know, it was five to six years old, um, because it it sort of has this timeless feeling to it because it doesn't fit into anything. No. Um, yeah, I mean it. Uh, it to me it feels uh, like a like a uh, it bridges the gap between like Elliot Smith and like you know. Uh, I don't know, pick one, the Decemberists, Fleet Foxes, yeah. any of that ilk, you know? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And and whenever I hear Jeff Mang Mang Mangum's voice, mm. I hear the, the Decemberists, sort of. Right? That, yes. That sort of, sort of sound. Yeah. In the like, sea! <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, uh, I believe I referred to the Decemberists once to you, Nick. Um, I, I, I said that they sounded like a duck wearing glasses and a suit yes like when he sings and that's sort of what i hear when jeff mangum sings too yeah it's a like like i said he seems to be kind of in that um elliot smith kind of not sound wise but like vibe of like you know he comes off as the tortured artist mm -hmm. uh i think very much so and you know that sort of uh singular um uh, uh, personality that uh, you know these these mythologies of the rock star sort of build around or the artists are built around I mean he has that sound to him <laughs> yeah and the crazy shit is this is when he was happy <laughs> right when he was actually tortured he just disappeared <laughs> a great move by the way <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah stuff kind of yeah. sucks I'm out <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this album this album made uh, shot him to popularity, right? And then, um, well, it was it was a sleeper hit at first, but yeah, then the I, internet. I never heard of this at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was like a cult underground following on the internet 
basically in the early days of, of I, I guess, maybe file sharing or something. Who released it? Who's... Merge Records. Merge? Oh. Yeah, so a, a pretty big... Wow, I can't believe I just pulled that out. I know. I, I read it once, like two days ago. <laughs> you mean the um, uh, the the label that released Arcade Fire's Funeral? Oh, oh, interesting. Mm. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm listening. Uh, Sixty nine love songs. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, wow, they have yeah quite a few people on here that I recognize. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who Lou Barlow is, but I want to get into that. Right. Well. Oh, the Buzzcocks. Okay. <laughs> right. Oh, is he the lead singer? No. Uh, that they're also on this label. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, so um, this album like shot up in popularity a couple years after it came out, and he was like, "Oh no, I don't like this." So he just disappeared. He he didn't put out another album again until like 2011 or something. So like this is the only album they have. Sec- this is their second album, oh. and um, basically, yeah. <laughs> It's the only because I don't think on Avery Island, Island, which was their first record, really got much traction. And truthfully, I've never heard it, but it's from like '94. Mm. Oh wow! <clears throat> yeah, '95. It's it's also weird. I mean, this sounds like a singular vision, if you know what I'm saying. Like it sounds like it sounds like it's his album. I mean, it's oh, it's, yeah. it's always interesting to me when there's an artist who you know does most of the legwork and just seems to be completely content just writing songs and releasing songs and putting on like the airs of like oh this is a band (laughs) right (laughs) it's like oh okay yeah so i think it's mostly jeff and his uh his producer uh robert schneider not that rob schneider i mean i'm I'm sure when jeff was kicking around like should i release this album i don't know if i should his buddy rob was like you can do it but um (laughs) But yeah, so this is this is such a weird record because uh, it's it's all over the place sound wise, and and on Avery Island is is even more different than this one because it's like a really lo-fi recording. Um, this one is big and it's loud and it's it's well, it, it I guess the thing that's interesting is that it switches from being quiet to loud all the time because it's probably like 60 to 70 percent acoustic and then the songs that are loud are just like total distortion total sort of sound Mm. and it often changes you know within the same song yes yeah and i mean you know they it's they keep talking about when you read about this album how it's like there wasn't a big muffin site and it's like yeah but they just make everything sound purposefully and I'm using this term sort of loosely, but ugly, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. the fact that it, it, this album could be called Analog Distortion. Also, somebody <laughs> said that there's no more distortion. Uh, I venture uh, you should listen to uh, uh, Jesus and Mary Chain. <laughs> oh, yeah. That yeah. first Jesus and Mary Chain album. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's heavy. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of distortion. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, you know, the fact that they overclock all the compressors and stuff like that to create this, like, you know, what is not generally a sought-after sound, but they kind of, um, you know, parallel weave it into, you know, f- for no apparent reason, just the left channel sometimes. <laughs> right. I mean, it's interesting. It is, like, sonically very um, uh, idiosyncratic and unique. Mm-hmm. And then, and then there's times like in the album where for no reason like there's a there's a, a mariachi band yeah. playing and it's like this shouldn't work but somehow it does. Mhm. 
and I think I think he did the world a great favor by not trying to, you know, replicate this or to do another, you know, a sequel to this album, basically. Or like, because, this is my sound. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah I, I can I can only imagine how how much torture there was making this record. Because <laughs> I mean, the 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 between the lyrics, which are just fucked, and and the music, it's kind of like. I don't. I don't even know. Like, it sounds like it was a horrible experience. Yeah, and yet also it's kind of a folk record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like at the same time, it's like, yeah, okay, <laughs> right. Well, yeah, all my favorite, uh, all my favorite folk records tie into, you know, Nazis and uh, allegedly um, <laughs> Germany and. Hey, what's with the cover? Are they saluting? Is the, her her head a tambourine? I think her head is a tambourine. She's hiling somebody. Or is it like um, a? It's like a potato cut in half. Is it a potato? I don't know. Mm. So that's one of the big things about this record is that his lyrics are very intentionally indirect, and they uh, he he supposedly was very much inspired by the Diary of Anne Frank when writing this. Oh. Um, but he says it's not a concept album. But people still find themes and concepts running through it, and obviously, you know. If you've got a part one and a part two of a song that are like six tracks apart, then there's some loose concept in there. So, yeah. I think he's just sort of playing with people and letting letting people assume what they want to from it. Yeah, I mean, it's almost that uh, what the uh, James Joyce talked about uh, writing Finnegan's Wake, and he's like, "I've got puzzles in there that'll have the academics scratching their head for centuries." Right. <laughs> and it's like, okay, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and who knows if that was his plan all along or if that was just sort of something he stumbled into, you know, this this indirect, vague sort of style. I mean, it always seems to me like these types, like these sort of um, artistic personalities, you know, you could kind of throw in a um, like an, Ant- an Anton Newcomb from Brian Jonestown Massacre or like, uh, I mean, even a Stephen Merritt. Like mm-hmm. these sort of like singular vision artistic types always seem to just kind of have their own trajectory of what they're doing. And it's just kind of like, well, I'm obsessed with this thing and I'm just kind of doing this thing. And it's like, okay, cool. Uh, but you're also creating this. And they're like, don't care about that. And it's like, well, but that's what everybody cares about. And they're like, fuck off. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. You yeah. know, he just kind of seems to go into his thing and he's like, oh, well, if I turn this knob this way, it makes that. That's exciting. And, you know, right. everyone else is like, is it about the Holocaust? And he's like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I mean, who knows what each artist means when they write a song? Because, I mean, sometimes I just have fun writing and not to say that I'm an artist like him in any sort of way, but sometimes I just have fun writing vague lyrics that could mean several different things. Um, because the interpretation is just as fun as the actual, you know, meaning. Sure. I mean, that's, uh, you know, John Lennon talking about Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Everyone's like, oh, it's about LSD. He's like, oh, I started going back through all my lyrics and looking at, you know, pulling apart letters and seeing how much of my songs were about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he did say that two important themes are childhood and nostalgia, which are also two important themes of this podcast. So mm, and two important themes to trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, <laughs> which I'm assuming this dude has. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it seems that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were a couple of quotes that jumped out at me about um, this album. Um, 
I, I particularly liked it was John Derogatas and his book, Turn Your Mind, Four Decades of Great Psychedelic Rock. He said, in the aeroplane over the sea brings to mind Dr. Seuss illustrating William S. Burroughs or perhaps Sigmund Freud collaborating on lyrics with Sid Barrett. <laughs> Two horrible tastes that taste great together. <laughs> <laughs> what you got against Seuss? Uh, <laughs> I was more cool for the second half, but <laughs> I know I got you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, one, yeah, it, it is. Yeah. It does kind of oscillate between that sort of infantile simplicity, uh, but yet there seems to be, you know, insane. I mean, you know, the classic tip of the iceberg, like what you're hearing seems to be showing you this, uh, you know, massive amount of psychological psychology below the surface, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, just like, uh, because I, I will often do a cover of in the airplane over the sea, um, because it's fun to sing, and mm. nobody ever knows what I'm doing. Um, uh, I, I, like the the bridge of that song where he's like, um, I remember you, how I would push my fingers into your neck to make the muscles move that made your voice so smooth and sweet. Um, it's just like, I, I love the descriptive nature of his songs, even though they're kind of creepy. <laughs> it's a very lyrical album. Yeah, for sure. Mm. For sure. But but where it pair, I mean, like the the weirdness of his lyrics pairs really well with the weirdness of the music, and I think that you don't have to listen to one or the other to find some sort of enjoyment in it. Yeah. Um, the the other quote that jumped out at me was from John Dickinson, who is a journalist, and he said, uh, "the the challenge is like reading a novel, the plot to which remains unrevealed, a sort of choose your own adventure that changes with every read." And um, I kind of get that from this album. I kind of get a different experience every time I hear it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it it it, it toys with a kind of um, a surrealist ambiguity um, mm-hmm. and layered uh, qualities that um, are really unique. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's quite a. Uh quite a fascinating listen. Yeah. Can I relate to people who throw this on frequently? No. But <laughs> I can put on this album and be like, it's a good album. Yeah. I mean, uh, full disclosure, I, I, I tried to listen to it twice whenever I laid down and I fell asleep both times. Mm. So I only fully re-listened to it today, um, which is like my first like full listen through in probably five to eight years. Um, probably about eight years ago was when I last listened to this. And I think that's a fair number, once every eight years. Great, we'll yeah. we'll meet up in eight years and see what you think of it. That sounds good. We'll we'll, we'll... be like shit. I should have made it every four years. <laughs> this is good stuff. <laughs> but I did fall asleep twice in those eight years while listening to it. So Only twice? That's not too bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So uh, any any other thoughts on it? Anybody? What are those weird? So is it one point? Is there a saw? Are they playing a saw? Yes. They are playing a saw. Um, I, I saw that in That's the... Uh, interesting sounds just kind of blended in there. It's like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, there's a lot of weird instruments in this album. Um, uh, Nick, did you make note of anything? Uh, well, according to the notes, there's a bowed banjo, uh, mm-hmm. euphonium, uh, flugelhorn, classic. Uh, yeah. Obviously, pulling uh, inspiration from uh, Bjork's first band, The Sugar Cubes. 
uh, and uh, what else? Uh, Bode fuzz bass tapes. I mean, there's a lot of like studio rat esque experimentation. Yeah. Uh, oh, do you know what a oh uh, the singing saw? Yeah. So there's a singing saw in one of the songs. Um, there's a white noise machine that's used. Uh, he also plays on tapes and then distorts the tapes. Mm-hmm. There's a shortwave radio used. Um, so yes, there's, there's a lot of just like, if you work in a studio and you've got just a bunch of shit laying around, just throw it on the record, see how it turns out. And usually that's bad, Yeah. but well, you know, we've got enough track here. Let's just throw one more thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it leans more towards like a spinal tap kind of like, and you know, we took traditionally in Balinese music, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I was in a band uh, years ago, and um, we, we we set up in a warehouse, and um, we uh, I we I was working at a toy store, and I brought some of those you know those like wind tubes that when you spin them they make a whistling noise. Hell yeah, I remember those. Yeah. Yeah. So we took those and we cut them to different lengths, so they would be different pitches, mm-hmm. and then we used them, and you could change the pitch obviously by how hard you swung it around. And and we used that in one song. And that same song, I sat in a wheelchair and played on the wheels with my drumsticks, because um, <laughs> there was just a wheelchair sitting in there, and 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 like just all sorts of anything that we could find that we could make noise with, we did. And did it sound anywhere near as good as this? No, but it was fun. <laughs> right. But yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, cause I I, I meant to mention the singing saw. <laughs> all right, so that is uh. That's in the airplane over the sea. Um, one final uh, spin today. Let's see what we got. Hey, Hopso. Oh, hey, guys. Hey, we're ready for the next trip. Oh, well, we're going to send you back to 1993 to cuddle down with some Beanie Babies. All right. Well, let's do it. Bottom line, the chances of having a rare one are rare. And if you should get lucky, they're on eBay right now. People are wanting as much as $149,000 for So, Beanie Babies. Whoo! The amount of people I knew who were like, I'm going to be rich. <laughs> <laughs> and how many of them are? Yeah, well, nobody I know, uh, but just for fun, people who actually got rich from Beanie Babies, Google. The result is one. Yeah, Ty Warner. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> Meet the family who lost $100,000. Oh, my goodness. Is your Beanie Baby collection actually worth a lot of money? 30 expensive collectible Beanie Babies. Hmm. You'll notice that's from a, a, a Hotmail or a, a <laughs> yeah, <really. laughs> MySpace page. MySpace page. <laughs> My God, um, yeah. I just uh, it it was wild. It was a crazy mm. sensation, and I definitely remember it. Yeah, it, it was it was very interesting. I was into it uh, somewhat. I mean, I was never crazy about it, but I had I had my fair share of these things. Yeah, um, yeah my younger sister would drive around to all the McDonald's to get the. Oh yeah. Happy Meal toys. No, we need this one. <laughs> we need Patty the Platypus. <laughs> Perry the Platypus? Patty. <laughs> yes. Gary, how many can you name? Uh, uh, the, well, I've got one sitting in front of me. Yes. His name is Butch. Um, 
I, I can name seaweed the you otter. Can hold up flashcards with Ty Beanie no, he would know them. That's not even true. I, I, I've, I've forgotten more than I remember about Beanie Babies at this point. I feel the lady doth protest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had okay. So I had maybe thirty of them, something like that. Oh, that's a, that's a decent amount. Yeah, it, it was reasonable, you know, without going crazy. I never had any of the super rare collectible ones. I've, I've, I've been very fascinated more so by what Beanie Babies represent than what they actually are. Sure, the phenomenon. Um, I mean, it was, yeah. you know, Tickle Me Elmo before Tickle Me Elmo. Yeah, totally. This was what started at post-Cabbage Patch, right? Yeah, I was going to say, it made me think of that. Yeah. A Turbo Ranger, this... if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Turbo Man, sorry. Tur- yeah, t- Turtle Man? Yeah. That's my sin bad. Uh, the, so I read a book a while back called The Great Beanie Baby Bubble, Mass Delusion and the Dark Side of Cute by Zach Bissonette. And I don't remember if it was Ty Warner or who it was, but somebody said that basically the stuffed animal industry is for people who were too vicious to be clothes designers. <laughs> and I thought that was very interesting because, and, and as, as you go on to read the book, you do find out that it's, it's some pretty dark stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The just people like how designing them or the people higher up. I mean, uh, basically the people making the money. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the higher ups and things of that nature. If, if, if you design something and it's a flop, you know, you're going to get destroyed basically. Um, and somehow Ty Warner still continues to, well, not him specifically, but Ty still continues to be a colossal hit. Mm-hmm. Although not anything like it was in the nineties. Mm. Yeah. They do those big eyed. Yeah. Ugly the, looking yeah. Uh, biggie beanies or something. Yeah. <laughs> they have remember. like glitter eyes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And they'll still do uh, properties like, you know, Garfield or SpongeBob. Sponge Robert. Turtles, Ninja Yeah, Ninja Turtles, yep. Yep. Ah, uh, yes. They're teenage. The, <laughs> the teenage ones. Yes, yes. teenaged. <laughs> and and they're mutants. Yes. Clear. Yeah. Uh do we really think that just the head and arm and leg holes constitute half a shell? <laughs> Like, That's a good point. You know, how do you really, how do you tell what's not there? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I knew, <laughs> speaking of not there, that just makes me think of the Ninja Turtles live action series where they gave the girl turtle boobs. <laughs> because oh, that was had there. to be there. Yeah. <laughs> Complete how with wizards. How we tell them apart? The voice? No, give her boobs on her shell. <laughs> Yeah, it should have been the eyelashes. <laughs> um, but in in their defense, they gave her a blue bandana. So you know, how would you know Leo from her? Oh, that's true. Far away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you could after they gave her bazoongas. Turned to the side. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I. Much more the the item itself is definitely not that fascinating i mean they're tiny mm-hmm. stuffed animals that's the end of it right, right. but through like in a manufactured commodity uh, uh as an example of that of the like commodification of something to the point of national craze i mean there's nothing really that is as emblematic as i mean maybe toilet paper right now but that's a whole other story <laughs> You know, I mean, people were going nuts for these things. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, which, I mean, if you're still sitting on a big collection of Beanie Babies, they could double as toilet paper now <laughs> if you if you get really hard up. <laughs> That's about what they're worth. Yeah, they, the, the, the boom of these things and, and how the, the, the scope of how he built it and created a supply and demand um, sort of process was super fascinating because there was no shortage on any of these things ever, but there was a shortage on how they released them mm. or there was a staggered effect. Yeah. And I do. A la Disney's <laughs> The Vault. Right. Basically, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I worked, as, as I mentioned earlier, I worked in a toy store. And um, as, as we were going out of business, as KB was shutting down as a whole company, we, uh, we got in just box after box of Beanie Babies that had been in the warehouse for decades. Hmm. And, and, okay, for a decade. And, uh, <laughs> and in, within those boxes were all of these Beanie Babies that were extremely rare and valuable. Like the Princess Diana bear that went for like 500 because of her limited quantities back in the day. I got like eight of them in one box one time. And, and you know, we were just one, we were just store 1447 versus like all the other stores that were, you know, getting the same shipments. And so, you know, these things were just sitting in a bin somewhere because they were smart enough to know when to release them and when not to. Mm. You and, got to um, know when to hold them and when to fold them. Basically, exactly. yeah, yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ty was a big uh, Kenny fan. Yeah, so. Kenny Rod. He knew everything that he knew about business. He learned from Kenny Rogers. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not the chicken restaurant, obviously. No, no, no. But yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it just blew my mind because then we were getting these things that once I would have paid five to eight hundred dollars for. For three dollars, mm. uh, or three for ten. You know, it was like, <laughs> it was like, well, that's bad math. Uh, Four dollars or three for ten. Sorry. Um, and I was just sitting there pissed, like, guys, why couldn't you just ship me a bunch of Mighty Max right now? That's actually <laughs> worth something. Uh, yeah, the manufactured sort of inflation of these things is totally fascinating. There is. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anybody's interested in sort of a, a fictionalization of this with a lot more swearing, <laughs> there's a great uh, Clerks comic uh, where oh, yeah. um, uh, Randall uh, couldn't give less of two shits about Star Wars figurines, but he becomes obsessed with the wheeling and dealing of rare <laughs> Star Wars figurines and like figuring out, you know, which toy stores to go to and how to buy them and all that kind of stuff. And uh, mm. it's it's largely entertaining. <laughs> yeah, those were great books. Um, but yeah, I I don't I don't really know what there is to say in, 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 in great detail. I think we've pretty much summed it up pretty quick, but, um, I, I knew so many people who were into this craze and I remember probably at my highest, you know, like point of, of craze for this, we would go to like Hallmark and get the, the booklet and, you know, the things for all the ones that were coming out soon. And, and, um, the tag protectors. Yeah. Had a couple of them in like the actual glass protective protective cases, or not glass, but yeah, plastic. Yeah. And um, how many people do you think have like a will? It's in their will, and they haven't updated it in ten, <laughs> twenty years. I like, leave to small <laughs> Kevin my Beanie Baby collection. <laughs> <laughs> there's probably been conversations. I swear it. 
you do bring up like the uh, the ancillary sort of like side stuff that you could buy. That industry mm-hmm. to me is so fascinating. Yeah. Uh, just like the people who are not the people who are making the big bucks, but the people who are like, hey, there's an opportunity for a dollar here. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. your tag protectors, you know. The, here's a book that you know gives you all the names of them. Yep. You know. Yeah. Uh, I remember when the last Harry Potter book was about to come out, there was a whole industry of books predicting what was going to happen. <laughs> like books, like you went to a bookstore and bought, these aren't like blogs, these are bu- like publishing companies put money into this shit. And wow. one of the books was written by Orson Scott Card. Wow. Like the writer of Ender's Game was like, you know, I think this J.K. Rowling is probably going to hold on. I got to go to a Mormon meeting really quick. (laughs) Still against the gays? Okay, good. All right. I think what this J.K. Rowling is going to (laughs) do. Yeah. It's it's fascinating. Uh, And and you saying uh, you kind of saying that trigger. Well, not the not the. (laughs) <laughs> not the jk rowling part but sure. the 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 accessories I'd, I'd forgotten all about the fact that there were beanie baby accessories like you could buy little clothes for them oh, really? yeah yeah you could get that at hallmark and who knows it might have just been some lady in winston-salem knitting <laughs> little clothes for these stupid things but like what panda doesn't need a bathing suit <laughs> um swimming trunks please i'm sorry <laughs> you know, it still looks like that elf on the shelf garbage it is know? like that elf on the shelf like garbage a- PhD and a, <laughs> some flip flops. Sold separately. <laughs> sold separately. Genius. Soul patch. <laughs> so, buy your elf on the shelf soul patch. <laughs> Make sure you get your mench on a bench, you know. Congo's not included. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like uh, the, and this is going to be a weird digression in this conversation, but the <laughs> ultimate person to figure this out and once again this is the weirdest thing ever uh is jimmy buffett right (laughs) like the dude wrote one song in the 70s that's like fine and he's a millionaire because he was able to turn that into restaurants and resorts Mm -hmm. and musicals and you know uh uh, barware and chairs and everything under the sun and people are like yeah, fuck it. I'll get a Margaritaville folding chair to bring to the NASCAR. Yeah, there you go, <laughs> like, man. Genius. <laughs> and and I need to correct you because he wrote three songs that turned into three restaurants. <laughs> That's true. Wait, Margaritaville. Is there a yeah, cheeseburger got... in Paradise restaurant? There, yeah. there is. Yep. And yes! uh, and Landshark is has its own. Oh restaurant yeah, Landshark's well. its own brand as well. That's true. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But I mean that's also Saturday Night Live. Um Right. <laughs> And there's Assisted. also there's also that line in um in Point Break where he's uh young dumb and full of come Monday. <laughs> <laughs> we got Jimmy Buffett jokes for days. Yeah. Um but I mean yeah that he, you know he, he is kind of this same idea of just you know taking something simple and mm-hmm. the, the the amount of like luck that yeah. these people have and being at the right place at the right time and also being, you know, shrewd enough to take advantage of these situations. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what Beanie Babies 
is. It's it's right place, right time. You know, uh, uh, the the amount of mass um, uh, uh, communication. Mm-hmm. You know that that they could take advantage of because you know it was on the goddamn news. People yeah. were like, "Next up at eleven, Beanie Babies, and why you should be getting into it." You know, and like <laughs> you know, people are watching the news, being like, "Did you know about this Beanie Baby shit?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's yeah. wild. It is wild. I don't. I, it the whole thing blows my mind. <laughs> Some would say it's bonkers. Yeah, totally nuts, even. <laughs> but yeah and 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 the 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 clever thing is that they knew when to change because this could have easily died in the 90s but then they got into licensing and then they got into you know beanie booze and they got into all these other things i'm that, sorry like, what he, i don't want to beanie repeat it. I booze i didn't feel right saying it the first time i don't want to say it again uh yeah those, those are like the big fat roly-poly beanies i think Oh, uh, as in your boo? I guess. I, I thought you meant beanie booze, like there was a line oh. of like vodkas or whatever. That was what? beanie beanie. Why isn't there? And I was like, why oh do I not god. own that right now? <laughs> oh my god, I can just see it. Yeah, like they they clip a little beanie baby tag on the well, top of the bottle. So there is a uh, uh, there is a Scottish beer company that the uh, beers. This is super gross, and I'm not endorsing it. Uh, are served in t- taxidermied animals? Oh, so you like buy a bottle of beer, and it's like in a fucking squirrel. That's intense. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I will say a uh, like a uh, you know whatever uh, seaweed the otter uh, <laughs> as a uh, you know. What would an otter's booze be? I, I uh, uh, gin, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Like a little bit spicy, you know. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I'm into it. Uh, <laughs> Ty, call me. <laughs> <laughs> I got ideas. Nineteen eighty seven. Okay, I was. I just started going on the Princess Bear. <laughs> oh, yeah, Diana. Yeah, that is. On eBay right now, I bet there's going to be like they're listening for what two dollars, and then there's that one asshole that thinks three thousand. Yeah, (laughs) bingo. Bubble burst, buddy. (laughs) eBay dot (laughs) com. Princess. There you go. Here, let's see. We're going on a field trip, guys. (laughs) With a frizz? No way. Princess beanie. Baby, nineteen ninety. Oh wow! There's also Princess Beanie Baby's Indonesia PVC. Hmm. Am I looking for? I'm gonna look for the uh, baby nine nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. Uh, seven grand. Wow. Sixteen ninety. That's sixteen dollars and ninety cents. Right. Right. Uh, four thousand two hundred. Oh, I will say so. The seven grand one is just on a velvet blanket. Sixteen ninety looks like uh, uh, it's propped up uh against a wall. (laughs) Four thousand two hundred is in a glass case, or uh, looks like a uh, like an acrylic case. Okay. 
1595. That's just on a, but the tag protector's on it. Right. Uh, 1700. Uh huh. Uh, and that's just on a, yeah. 49.99, but that bear is not <laughs> facing us. It's it's literally on its. Uh, we're just seeing the back of it. <laughs> That's an ace photographer right there. Yeah, hundred dollars, twelve hundo, five hundred, thirty thousand, thirty thousand. Princess Diana ba- baby bear, nineteen ninety seven, original, made in China, mint. You get it fast does- and free. Does that have my okay? That's good. Free shipping. Thirty nine people watching. What? Yeah. Oh my god! No, they're probably just you know, like, is this gonna sell for that much? I know. <laughs> uh, I will say thirty thousand. No tag protector. Not even what? in a box. It's just what? on a wooden table. Wow. I'm looking at one right now that's listed at two ninety nine, two dollars <laughs> and ninety nine cents, and it comes with a tag protector, and it's got a dress and a bow. What oh, yeah. the? Son of a bitch. Right? This one at five ninety five seems pretty good. Uh, $5.95. Got a tag okay. protector uh, uh-huh. and the bow. No dress. Oh, man. Well, you, you got to go for this two ninety one, man. It's it's If you're going to get you a beanie baby, get you a beanie baby, right? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's starting bid nine days. Well, I'm, I'm going to watch this. Yeah, I'm watch it. it. to my watch list, yeah. Um, actually, I probably have like two from KB that I can just send you if you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's where I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna see who's. Uh, oh, wh- the filling is important apparently. Oh really? Yeah, because I'm getting uh, search results uh, or search suggestions for like PVC pellets and stuff. Oh. Um, I'm going to go for. I'm just gonna go for. <laughs> Super rare beanie baby. (laughs) Make sure you type rare in all caps because that'll catch their eyes. Uh, mm, Nothing really. Uh, I mean, everything's above $100, but nothing nothing as crazy as the princess one so far. Well, I remember uh, there was Aaron, who was a green Irish bear. Mm, Okay. Okay. A uh, friend of mine, uh, my friend Caitlin, actually gave me him because she had several of them somehow. Um, and uh, okay, so I see him. He goes new with tags for uh, $600 or $1.95. But this is also going to be an insular uh, 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 market, correct? It's just going to be Beanie Baby enthusiasts buying from other beanie baby enthusiasts right like there's there's nobody in the his i mean like maybe maybe like a a not a warren buffett he's too smart for that but like a warren buffett-esque like somebody who's like we need to diversify and we just have money to throw away quick buy the princess diana beanie baby at 200 bucks you know like other than that you're just buying from people who are like this is worth so much and you're like i agree this is worth so much (laughs) it's 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 really worth more to your memories than it is to your wallet so Mm. um and i think that's how i would summarize beanie babies in 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 total really (laughs) great i i remember actually 
I'm pretty sure whenever I was growing up, there was a in in the old Office Depot shopping center in the town where I grew up. They had like a regularly rotating roster of stores that would just kind of pop up and close. And I remember for about a year, there was just a pop-up Beanie Baby store. Like, <laughs> they sold nothing else. But like you go in there. It was and right next the... to the Big Dog t-shirt store. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was actually next to like this this uh, Mexican um, CD store. Oh, hell um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The most American thing you'd recognize from the front of the store was Madonna. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so there was this pop-up store and you would walk in and they would have like the stuff in the counter. They didn't really have like racks or anything, but they just had, it was actually pretty empty now that I think about it. <laughs> they had like some accessories that you could buy, like hung up on the walls with pe- uh, pegs and stuff. But for the most part, it was just like Beanie Babies on a shelf. And, you know, like the cheaper ones were like, you know, in front of you in the counter, the glass counter, and then they up on the wall behind the register, they had like the Diana bear and Aaron and, and the peace bear that had a factory defect where it had two right arms. And so you, know, you this, could that, see the them. Yeah, you could see. Oh, I saw them. Oh, I saw them. I stared. I seen them. I seen them with my own two papers. <laughs> but I, weirdly, that is how I talked back then. But um, sure. <laughs> all of our we- voices change. Very much so. Uh, we've discussed this before. Mm. Um, <laughs> as you'll recall, I sounded like a young Pat Buttram. <laughs> I just found me a $5 hooker who validates. <laughs> that is my favorite quote of all time. <laughs> yeah, but me as a kid with my little southern voice, I was like, Mama, Mama, they got they got the Aaron Bear back there behind that counter there. Shit, Mom. <laughs> Can I can I can I bum eight hundred dollars? Something tells me this bear's gonna be worth something someday. This is the man on the TV said. That's what the Fox Eight News told me. I'll pay you back with interest. Uh, shit! I'll be paying for everything once this bear gets up there. <laughs> I admire the shit out of the people who bought these things and flipped them immediately because they actually saw a profit. Smart, smart. Get in, get out. Yep. Yeah. And write a book about it. (laughs) (laughs) My summer of beanie. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I think we need to wrap it up. (laughs) Let's head back to the studio and uh, wrap this one up. So here we are. Oh man, that was uh, that was a roller coaster ride. I mean, I went through a lot of emotions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, what did we learn today? What did we learn? Um, uh, hmm. Normally, I have a quick response for this, but I'm, uh, surfing's cool. Definitely the coolest. <laughs> the weather matters. Right? Weather matters. Mm-hmm. Check the weather. Mm-hmm. Meteorology, um, cooler than you thought. <laughs> <laughs> we learned that uh, apparently the Diary of Anne Frank influenced an album. Never knew that. <laughs> Probably more. Uh, and that um, 
just diving on into your artistic ambition uh, sometimes will lead to uh, horrible uh, uh, emotional consequences down the road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, should have sold those Beanie Babies. <laughs> should have gotten out. Should have. Yep. Should have gotten, gotten out when you had man. the chance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's been fun. Uh, very diverse, but all extremely true to the '90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Actually, that's not true because Neutral Milk Hotel is kind of uh, ambiguous to its time frame. It could it could fit anywhere, but it it does settle in nicely in the middle of all the craziness of 1998. Yes, absolutely. But, uh, everybody, sit down, have yourself a cry, and uh, listen to uh, Elliot Smith and Neutral Milk Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And just get ready to feel all the feels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you don't know why you're crying, you will. Uh, just, <laughs> just because everything is so vague. Yeah, you don't need to know. <laughs> you don't. You, you just let, let the music flow through you. Yeah. And, um... Let's see what we got for next month's episode. All right. Well, next episode, we're going to be covering Dumb and Dumber, Smash Mouth's Astro Lounge, and Pogs. Once again, about as 90s as it gets, I'd say. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a litmus <laughs> test right there. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm looking to see if we can decipher any sort of deep meaning from uh, Smash Mouth. Oh, but, I'm excited uh, about that. We'll I have a lot happens. of opinions. Uh, you know... What a concept. <laughs> I said, yep. Well, well, I could use a little fuel myself and we could Oh, use a little change. Well. <laughs> Save it, boys. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, follow us on, uh, check out our Facebook and our Instagram, uh, where I've been doing some live reads and things of that nature. And I will do one for Dumb and Dumber very soon. Uh, 90s PCGB on instagram and twitter i think and then just look for 90s pop culture grab bag on facebook and in plugs end episode we'll be right back next time this is not our first this is not our first okay i forgot what my phone looked like sorry (laughs) (laughs) i thought we both have we both have pixels but for some reason i didn't recognize the case on mine Mm. um is this what a stroke feels like? Um, Do you smell toast? <laughs> I smell toast often. Uh-oh. <laughs> you've, seen, you've seen her future as well. And... <laughs> nah, I didn't think to. <laughs> this will be a surprise to me as anybody else. <laughs> Especially to her. Yeah, right. Um, Man, Aaron sure has pretty green fur though. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to I'm going to cut that. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. That was uh that was a roller coaster ride. I mean, I went through a lot of emotions. Mm-hmm. Not unlike Anthony Kiedis uh, with the roller coaster. <laughs> and, love... and unlike Anthony Kiedis, it was not a waste of time. <laughs> Bingo. I think uh it was great road tripping. Uh, <laughs> great great oh if you don't think that's funny you can suck my kiss um <laughs> under the bridge all around the world really give it away 
All right, I got a jet. I'm going to fly away on my Zephyr. <laughs> and- uh, I just enjoy hanging out with me and my friends. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, this was fun for about one hot minute. <laughs> But I'm gonna I'm gonna elevate us and take us to higher ground. Whoa! Wow! Wow! Okay. All right. Nicely done. All right. That that whole shit's going in the sizzle reel. <laughs> <laughs>